You're listening to Stay Tuned with Troy and Howie. Now, from the heart of Amish country, here's Troy and Howie. All right, and welcome to another episode of Stay Tuned with Troy and Howie, and I believe this is our sixth episode. In fact, this is going to be our first episode that's going to be a two-part series with our uh, with our uh, guest that we had on today. And uh, good morning, Troy. Hey, good morning, Howie. How are you doing? I'm doing good, but you know what? I think the big question is, how are you doing? You are now officially in your 40s. I am officially uh, on the uh, the back nine, right? You know. <laughs> let's hope not, man. Let's hope not. Well, let's, let's, hope, for... let's hope not, but yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, let's say let's say you're on your back nine. nine. Yeah, that's true. Um, why don't you say, let's say we're on our back nine when we hit fifty? How's that? Okay. All right. All right. Well, I'll work. I'd like that. to I like to think that I'm gonna like never die. So uh, that's my goal anyway. I don't know about yours, but. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to overlook our our intro from. Um, oh yeah. Our our first challenger of the uh, when we did the intro challenge, and uh, yeah. that was Pam. So thanks yep. Pam for the intro there. Yeah, thanks for bringing us on again. I also didn't want to uh, forget to mention that, you know, thankfully um, we'll be the Lebanon County here in Pennsylvania will be moving green uh, to the yes. green phase. So we have to relinquish our COVID state championship. (laughs) You know what, though? We will always be the 2020 champions, Troy. That's that's true. Yeah, we will always be 2020 champs. They'll never take that away from us. In fact, you know, 10 years from now, we can be like, you know what? We can have our 10-year reunion here in Lebanon County. And uh, I say we all have that reunion at Heisey's Diner. What do you think? (laughs) <laughs> that sounds like a plan. And All right. even if even if they would take that away from us, uh, even if there is more champions down the road, we were the inaugural champion. So that's right. That's right. <laughs> we are. Uh, what are we? The Green Bay Packers of COVID. Yep. The first. Yep, that's what we are. Yep. So um, excellent. So let's. So what'd uh, you get for your birthday? Oh well, you. I posted it on Facebook. You saw it. I got a. I got a stay tuned hat. I sure did. Yes, you did. I uh, saw that. Yeah, I was very surprised. I was not expecting that. So, <laughs> and very and uh, I was just gonna say, did she? Did she order that? Now I'm assuming that was from your wife, right? Yeah, I was correct. Yeah. Yeah, and did she order that from the um, um, the website? The the tea the tea the tea chip dot com. Yep. Wow, that's out. awesome. Uh, she did. She did order that from there, and uh, I was kind of a little surprised actually because I thought I would have got some sort of email notification or something, um, <laughs> you know, that she did it. So I thought she went through a different avenue. Um, okay. Probably, you know, I was thinking she went through Jesus directly somehow. Um, um, so let's throw him in right here, right here, right away. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, why not? Uh, Ace in the hole signs and graphics on Facebook for any signs or graphic needs. Dirty Baby original on Facebook for anything that you might have that needs a little bit more customization to it. Um, so, and he's also the one that set up our merch page, and that's tchip.com, where the wife got my hat. And uh, if you just go to the top there, the search bar, you just type in "Stay Tuned," and that will take you to our page, and you can kind of scroll through there and pick whatever merchandise you're looking for. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice looking hat, by the way. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. I'm really happy she got it. Um, Awesome. I guess we should also get our other business out of the way, too, here. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's go with uh, all our social media pages. You know, obviously, we want you to like and follow us on Facebook. Um, On Facebook, there is a a voicemail. Um, It looks like a website, but it's a voicemail. You click on that, and it'll just take you to a link to, um, to leave a message for our show. Also, you can follow us on Twitter, at StayTunedTNH. And if you want to email us, you can do that as well. Stay tuned, tnh at gmail.com. And um, we're available on, a lot, you know, most all major podcast avenues, uh, whether it's uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Overcast. Um, and um, also, if anybody is um, an Xfinity customer, uh, Xfinity just added Spotify to their X1 boxes for cable. 
So you can actually go really? into the app. They did. So you can actually go into the app and pull up Spotify, um, like directly through your cable box, and you could listen to us right through your TV. How about that? Sweet. I did not know that. <laughs> that is awesome. Is that only through cable? Um, that's all I have, so I don't know. Um, okay. Okay. But, well, yeah. But I, I would imagine other, you know. Well, I know if you stream, you know, through your TV, obviously. Well, that's you true. Download the spot. You can just download the Spotify app through your TV. You know. Yeah. Hey, I'll have to look at that. Um, see if I have that as well. Yeah. Do you have the X1 boxes that have the voice remotes and everything like that with them? Uh, actually, I have Dish. Oh, okay. So, so if yeah, so, you have to look into that and see. Do you guys do they offer different apps for you? For you or no? They do. They do. There okay. is a there, yeah, there is yeah. an app download. So, yeah, you have to take a look yeah, at I'll that. Have to check it out. Yeah, I definitely will. So awesome. So please listen to us. Um, subscribe, share, rate, review. You know all the fun stuff. We would sure appreciate that. Um, it'll help us. You know keep the show going, and it'll also help us know what's working and what isn't working for us. So mm-hmm. we appreciate that. Most definitely. And uh, I know as time goes and, you know, we start, you know, opening up our state and, and such, um, you know, there is I, – I definitely want to improve on, um, like, the, the equipment that I'm using at least. Uh, my goal yeah. is to um, – my, my goal is to eventually uh, uh, find the time to, you know, kind of get, like, the equipment, like a microphone and all that good stuff uh, – that that's going to improve the uh, sound quality at least on my end, mm-hmm. and uh, and then kind of go from there. And then who knows? Maybe one day you and I can actually do this show like why we're side by side, and that in itself I believe would uh, make a huge improvement. So yeah, I think uh, so too. Yeah, and, you know this is. And I'm just wondering like if we were face to face, and maybe we could even look into doing it in a video format. Who knows? Um, oh yeah. I mean, not necessarily true. not necessarily for the podcast, but at least with each other, so that mm-hmm. you know, the inter- the interaction might help being able to see us. We might, um, you know, might not step on each other's words all the time and stuff sometimes. Yeah, I agree. In fact, you know what? Why don't we try to make that a goal for next week? Maybe we'll try to. Yeah, we. Maybe, yeah, we'll look into know, that for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. Uh, all right. Well, you know what? Uh, Troy, why don't we get into uh, who our mystery clip is? And, yeah, uh, our mystery sound clip of the week. We have, um, yeah, why don't, why don't you intro it? Cause, uh, okay, well, I'll tell you what. Um, before, obviously, uh, we had posted pictures on Facebook of who the person is. Uh, we did yep. not post a picture of what he's best known for. But, uh, but I'm going to uh, play a sound clip of, of the opening theme song for the uh, TV show that he start not starred in, but was one of the stars in, and uh, and then we'll uh, we'll come back and talk about it. And yeah, uh, definitely we'll his that. most definitely definitely his most well known role for sure. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. So all right, so uh, without further ado, here is that sound clip. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip. That started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship. The mate was a mighty sailing man, the skipper brave and sure. Five passengers set sail that day for a three-hour tour. A three-hour tour. All right, and, uh, and well, what do you think, Troy? Is that pretty much a, an easy clue? <laughs> well, that's an easy clue as to what show he's from, but... You know, can they can they picture what show he's from from that picture? And uh, uh, I think I could have, you know, after hearing that, after hearing the clip. Um, yeah, I would hope so. so. Why don't us tell us who it is, Howie? It is Russell Johnson, who is better known as the Professor from Gilligan's Island. Yes, and, sir. Uh, we will we will find out. Um, why we chose that mystery sound clip because there wasn't really any dates that associated with it this week. Uh, but there is a real good reason that we chose that mystery sound clip. And when, when you stay tuned to the interview, uh, you'll, you'll find out why. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, there's definitely a relation, uh, to our first, uh, or not our first guest, but our, our guest for, uh, today, uh, when it comes to, uh, who, uh, Russell Johnson is and Russell Johnson, he lived to be 89 years old, in fact, I think I saw uh, he passed away from, uh, I want to say, 
kidney or liver failure. I'm not sure which one. Mm. Uh, but uh, but yeah, he he passed away in 2014 at the age of 89. Uh, yeah. And, uh, in fact, you know what? I believe there is only one living Gilligan Island cast member. I thought both the weren't both the girls alive now or no? Oh yeah, you know what? You're right. You are right. Yeah. Um, I completely forgot about um, Tina Louise. I I'm, I was thinking of Marianne. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah both Marianne and Ginger are are still alive. Yeah, Don Wells yeah. and Tina Louise, and and when you pulled up this, um, it, here I, I did actually find that real quick to, to tie up uh, Russell Johnson. He he did die from kidney failure. Uh, okay. And um, yeah, um, Tina Louise and Don Wells, and as I was doing a little research on this, I, I was kind of finding out that uh, not too many people were fond of Tina Louise. <laughs> I noticed that. I noticed that as well. And yeah, she uh, she had some issues yeah, she, with uh, folks. I guess she had to live <laughs> up to her uh, her her character on the show. You know, being a little <laughs> snobbish and stuck upish. And yeah, um, yeah. But, I mean, um, it sounded like she had a because um, I was kind of looking at the different cast members when I was looking this up, particularly with uh, Russell Johnson mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I noticed that, you know, she had a pretty interesting, like, pretty successful um, career before Gilligan's Yeah, military-wise. Yeah. Well, even yeah. even movie-wise, but military-wise, too. And and you'll hear a little bit more about that in our interview. Um, yeah. Military-wise, um, uh, he did receive a Purple Heart. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, he, he, you know, it's pretty crazy to think how that was a really – um, normal thing, honestly, back then for actors or even athletes to mm-hmm. be doing their careers and then sidetracked or even before their career started in whatever they wanted to do were a part of the military and then did their careers again afterwards. That's it's kind yeah. of crazy because you don't it see is. that anymore. It, no, you really don't. And uh, and that was kind of cool, too, because you think about you, you had mentioned athletes, but I always think of Ted Williams, you know, mm-hmm. when it came to um, – you know, yeah, what, uh, what did he get, about three or four years of his career? Yeah, yeah. Three or yeah. four years Can of you his career, that? and then... <laughs> and I know. Just, and it was right right during his prime, too. Yeah, I was just going to say, it was during his prime, and uh, and I actually have an interesting quick story on this. And uh, my, my family doctor, when I was a kid, was uh, a, um, a Navy pilot, and he actually uh, was in the uh, same, he was, he's, a, I don't know what you call it, the same platoon or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. during World War sure. II. Uh, he was in the same platoon as uh, Ted Williams. That's awesome. And, uh, and they would all, they would like um, during breaks and whatever, they would often, they would all play catch with baseball and such. And it's like, man, this guy got to throw with Ted. I was always, I was always, <laughs> uh, yeah. I always admired my doctor, you know, every time I would go there and, uh, he would always share those stories with me, and I, I always thought that was kind of cool. That is really so, neat. Yep. So, so yeah, so that was our mystery sound clip. Good old Gil- Gilligan's Island. Um, you know, Russell Johnson, the professor. Um, little known fact is his name was actually Roy Hinckley, Professor Roy Hinckley. Um, so we found we found that out, uh, you know, in our research here as well. I never knew that. I just thought he was the professor, no. you know. <laughs> yeah, same here. That's all I ever knew as well. So, yeah, that was interesting to hear. All right. Well, what do you say, Troy? Uh, speaking of our interview, why don't we uh, why don't we just uh, do a quick introduction and get that thing started? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. So, uh, so yeah, in the uh, interview, you're going to hear how Russell Johnson um, plays a part in our next uh, um, interview's life. And uh, we're going to be interviewing Master Gunnery Sergeant, who is retired, Master Gunnery Sergeant uh, Andrew Worley, uh, who uh, you're going to find out is, uh, you know, it, it's more than what his military career was, but, you know, he was definitely – and still is a very um, positive uh, community member. And you're going to hear all the the uh, things that he has done, not only for his community, but for his family, uh, for his friends. And, uh, and, that, and also, you're, you know, some of his uh, military stories are pretty interesting as well. So uh, without further ado, here is uh, Master Gunnery Sergeant 
Andy Worley. And oh, you know what? Before that, why don't we take a quick uh, commercial break, and then we'll uh, we'll join in and uh, listen. Nice to tease. Nice tease. <laughs> <laughs> yes, accidentally, accidentally nice tease. By the way. <laughs> All right, let's, and let's get our let's get our anchor clip out of the way. And uh, yep, that's work. right. Let's get it out of the way. All right, and we'll be right back. All right, and welcome back. And uh, we are on the line with. Uh, Master Gunnery Sergeant Andy Worley of the United States Marines, retired. Andy, how you doing? We're doing good today. Thank you. How are you guys doing? Well, not too bad. Enjoying this weather, I hope. Yeah, doing oh, good. Yeah. Doing good. Absolutely. Good. Hey, um, I actually, you know what? I think I was looking it up. How you were in the you were in the military for what? Twenty eight years. Thirty three. Thirty three. Oh my gosh. Yeah, six wow. years maybe twenty-seven Marine Corps. Okay, all right, and uh, and actually, you know what, Troy and I were having this discussion. Um, you know, when you were in Vietnam, you were you were also you were in the Navy at the time. That's correct. Yes, today they call it SWIC. Back then, they just called it support teams, uh, Naval oh. Special Warfare support teams. Okay, and what exactly does that mean when it comes to what you did? Well, we supported uh, the SEALs on, on their missions. Uh, when there was 27 of us on this outpost, and we handled everything at the outpost, uh, our own patrols. We handled uh, anything to do with the, with the outpost itself, uh, security, uh, maintenance, all of that, while the SEALs went out and had to do their thing. Okay. So, so you basically, uh, you basically swept up after the seals, huh? <laughs> well, no, we just took care of the house while they were gone. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Janet. Oh my God. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, um, we want to interview you because, uh, first of all, I don't know about you, Troy, but you know, the more I think about it, and and the less. Um, popularity these uh these famous folks are getting you know i almost think that we need to give folks like andy his just due and and uh and and let people know what real people are like and and what folks that actually do things for america are like as well and i feel i feel like andy you know you have a lot of uh things that you've done for not only your community uh, but also in the military. In fact, uh, your whole family is pretty much military. Isn't that correct? That's correct. We've actually traced um, all the way back to the Revolutionary War. And wow. we've had a worldly in every, uh, in every major uh, conflict the United States has had since it's been a country. Okay. Oh, wow. And then kind of most That's recently, amazing. I would say, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and I would say most recently, you know, what? How, how many brothers were in the military? Uh, three of the six of us. I have uh, yeah. six, all uh, five brothers, but the three older ones were in the military, and uh, all three of us retired from the military. Okay, interesting. And you know what? Um, I think I told. I think I told Troy. In fact, yeah, I know I told Troy. We're gonna do our. Uh, we have like what we call a mystery clip. And uh, mm -hmm. and I told I told Troy who our mystery clip should be this week, and uh, it's not posted yet. But uh, we're going to show a picture of um, uh, what is the uh, guy's name? Last name I believe is Russell. Um, is it is oh. it last name Russell or first name Russell? Isn't it Johnson? Isn't it Johnson? Yeah. Who's who's your uh, who is your uh, godfather? Godfather. Oh, Russell Johnson. Yes. And uh, and who is Russell Johnson from? Uh, he was the professor on Gilligan's Island. <laughs> I, still, I don't know why, but every time I hear that, that just cracks me up. And and how how in the world did did Russell Johnson become your godfather? Uh, apparently, him and my dad and uh, his brother Dave. And my uncles, they all pretty much grew up together up near uh, Ashley, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. And, yeah, so they, they all went to school together up there. Oh, and of course, neat. the Second World War came, and then, you know, Uncle Russ went in the Navy, and Dad was in the Navy. 
And Uncle Howard was the Air Force, year, well, the Army Air Corps at that point. Yeah. So, and, so and you know what? He, the, yeah, go ahead, Troy. I was going to ask, was he already, um, I guess you could say, famous by that point when he became your godfather? No. Or, no. It, oh, yeah. It's, uh, he, he got into acting right after the Second World War. He uh, he actually he actually did some things on um, uh, on TV during the fifties. He was uh, the sheriff on Black Saddle. He did a lot oh, of wow. B movies and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. And how much yeah, interaction did you have with him? Yeah, there you go. Yep, that's exactly what I was. Uh, as a as a young kid, I would see him once in a while. He would come in from uh, California. Uh, but as I got older, I really got to see him less and less. And, yeah, uh, yeah it's, uh, as a teenager, I think I've seen him once, and that was it. Okay. Was that a pretty cool thing when you seen him hit it big on Gilligan's, though? I, I didn't, you know, it's, he was Uncle Russ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, least, and you know what? I, mean, I actually I looked up to him. Uh-huh. <laughs> I said at least yeah, I actually looked up Russell Johnson. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Troy. Yeah. Go but, uh, but yeah, I was actually looking up. I looked up Russell Johnson, and he was actually a uh, bombardier pilot in the military. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I that. well, yeah, the Second World War, they all did that. Okay. Yeah, well, uh, they they all joined the service. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, we'll go back to the service here, because I, I had a question um, when when Howie told us told me uh, we were going to be interviewing you today. I had a question on um, when Vietnam. Like, when did you join the military? Was Vietnam a thing? Did you know? Um, uh, the draft was going. Uh, I was a senior in 1969 out of Philadelphia, okay. and um, I actually it, it's here's a funny story. Uh, I had a friend of mine that was in the Army, and um, I was actually going to join the Army um, with him, and he came home on leave. So we went down to Cotman Avenue uh, to go into the recruiting station. I wasn't going to wait for the draft. Uh, friends of mine were already getting draft notices. And uh, we went into the Army, and there were two recruiters there. And of course, I was real small. I, when I joined the service, I was five three and a half, one hundred and twelve pounds, almost near the waist. And uh, so when I walked in there, these two uh, recruiters are kind of looking at each other. And they look at me, and one of them said something about, "Man, he make a great tunnel rat." And I remember thinking, "Man, I got a job already." And I what the tunnel rat was. And my buddy Pete said, uh, hey, "Andy." I want to talk to you outside. He says, uh, I said, but Pete, they got a job for me. He says, Andy, I want to talk to you. So we got out there. He goes, you know what a tunnel rat is? I said, no. He says, a tunnel rat, the life expectancy of a tunnel rat is about three tunnels. They're the guys that go down the hole chasing after the enemy. Oh, says, my God. Did you want to go look at the Navy? I said, okay, let's go see what the Navy's got. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan. Yeah, right. Yeah, I never realized that, you know, a couple of years later, I was going to end up in the tunnel. So it's, uh, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I did oh, uh, three tunnels. Uh, you did what kind of tunnels? I did three tunnels. Oh, wow. And what is, like, oh, can you can you kind of describe what that's about, or? Scary as heck, I can tell you that. It's, um, you know, they find a tunnel and you don't know where it goes. Mm-hmm. And when you're going in, you don't know what to expect because they booby trap them. Uh, sure. Sometimes they can be sitting there waiting for you. And and some of those tunnels go into Carter's to go out like a city under there. You know, oh, so you wow. never know what to expect. So I hate it going to the tunnels. It's one of the reasons why I'm very claustrophobic now. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's... Uh, Fortunately, I never really ran into the enemy in the tunnel. I found that they had been there and they booked. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's uh, 
And at one time we were supposed to, we, they, when they find a tunnel, they report it. Because we would do our own patrols and stuff. And uh, they found a tunnel not far from, actually from the compound. And uh, the, re uh, the response came back, said, now my, my call sign was Pee Wee. Okay. You can imagine why. And, uh, <laughs> and they said, uh, don't send Pee Wee down there. We got something. And a couple of the SEALs came out, and they had this, this uh, wild hog, this boar. And the one guy made a necklace of grenades, and he had all the strings together, and he put it on the on this wild boar, and this thing was irate to begin with, and they shoved it down the hole, and they kept letting out the rope, the strings, and then eventually they get pulled the spring, the spring uh, strings, and there was just you know you could just hear it go off in there, and all the dust and dirt come out. I was so happy that day. I, you know, I wasn't the pig. So, oh, yeah. But I didn't have to yeah. go down the hole. Though. And that was actually the last time that I I even had to go down a hole. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, I can imagine why that would be scary. I never heard of that before. Yeah, I didn't either. That's That was a new – that was a definitely a learning point for me. Well, they, yeah. they would booby trap them in different ways. Sometimes punji sticks would be in there. Sometimes they'd be waiting for you. Other times that they they would have sometimes branches going across and you don't see them and then they would have like bamboo viper snakes in there that you know oh, wow. they, so they always had a way of booby trapping those things so you never knew what you were going to run into. But yeah. you were lucky enough not to really run into anything, huh? I was, I was. You know, some of those guys, man, some of them uh, when they come out of there. Yeah. So I, yeah. I guess going back to how this conversation started, though, so you, I, I think you kind of answered it, but you, you knew there was a strong possibility that you were going to be going to this war one way or another, and you kind of wanted to go under your own terms. Well, yeah, when I, I actually joined the service in January 69, and I left in July, so I, I, so I can graduate. But I can tell you the draft really helped a lot of high school grades to go up. Because I had friends of mine that got, they got notices. And if their grades were good, they got deferments until they graduated, which gave them more time to plan. But if they didn't, and their grades weren't good, you know, those guys were gone. So it's, uh, it definitely helped the grades to go up. But uh, a year later, I actually went on the USS Yorktown, uh, World War II carrier. That was my first ship. And uh -huh. then, uh, and then after that, I went to Engineman School. And while I was at school, they were looking for these guys to uh, work these positions in these support teams, and it was fairly new. And uh, I put in for it, and of course I was 19 and all full of myself, you know, being invincible, and. Yeah. Uh, I understand there was 150 some people that got interviewed, and interviews involved not only uh, questions and answering things, but also physical fitness tests and a swim qualification. I was a swimmer; I was a real strong swimmer, and uh, and they would start weeding it down until they got down to 44 of us, and then they sent us to Little Creek, and we were at. We were there for eight weeks, and SEAL Team 2 took us for the training. Oh. And uh, you, know, all, you see the guys falling out all the time, and they would harass me because I was small. Yeah. And, <laughs> and at one time, we, were, uh, we would get up at 4 in the morning, get up, and we'd have like a seven-man, uh, uh, almost like a Zodiac, a small one. And we'd run out to the Chesapeake and drop it in, paddle out about a mile, drop over the side, swim back, pulling this thing. And then wow. you pick it up and roll another mile and a half to breakfast. I mean, that was every day. Oh. And they told the chief, and they said, uh, Chief, we think Whirly's uh, hanging. And the chief was a Navy SEAL. And he came up and he said, Whirly, are you hanging? I said, no, Chief, I'm not hanging. And he said, BS. So he made me put a bucket <laughs> between my head and the raft. 
And as long as it stayed there, I was carrying my weight. And these yeah. guys would wait until the chief came up because he'd be running around all the boats. Mm-hmm. And they would wait until he got to my boat, and they'd just lift their arms up, and the bucket would fall. And he would say, Wally, you get back in. We're going to make, you're going to be a sugar cookie. And I'm like, oh, God, no. So what a sugar cookie is, when we would come back in, when the guys just pick up the boat and run the breakfast, I had to stay there at the surf. And I'd do calisthenics into the surf, and sometimes you feel like you're really going to drown. And then you yeah. do it in the sand, and the rest of the day you're covered in sand. So oh, you were like gosh. a, yeah, you were what they call a sugar cookie. <laughs> but I used to tell them, I said, look, guys, let me tell you something. Your legs are longer than mine. And when we get out there in the mornings, you know it's feeding time for something. And I'm always watching you. As soon as one of you go bloop, I'm in the boat. And I said, when one of <laughs> you get to Vietnam and they yell, get down, I'm already here. you got to meet me. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that, I think, is what helped me get me through because then the chief came up to me and he says, uh, I'm going to tell you how to make it through this. He said, guys are dropping out left and right. And he said, uh, but you got a lot of heart because I like the way you throw it back at them. And he says, I'm going to tell you how to get through this. He said, how do you eat an elephant? And I said, what the hell would I want to eat an elephant for? And he goes, beside the point, how do you eat it? I, said, I don't know. He said, one bite at a time. He said, that's what you're going to do with this. You get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. First thing you do is you make your rack. And you get yeah. your first mission done. He said, and then your mission is to make it to breakfast. Then make it to lunch. Then make it to dinner. Then make it to taps. He said, these guys are looking at, they got eight weeks of this, and they're not going to be able to handle it. You take the, uh, you take the task that's in front of you at that point. He said, mm-hmm. you're going to be surprised that when you think you can't go any further, you can push it a little bit further. Take that well, extra that step. And that's what got me through. What's that? Doesn't that sound familiar, Howie? I was just going to say that, Troy. Uh, last <laughs> week we interviewed uh, Troy's uncle, who was the um, a PJ in the uh, Air Force. And um, and when we interviewed him, you know, the one thing that he said was, "I don't." The way I made it through because he started out with 85 people trying out um, for the uh, pararescue group. And only seven remained when he was done. And he said that the way I made it through was I just worried about what I can control and let the things I can't control roll off. And that sounds pretty much exactly what you just did. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. at the end, there were 16 of us standing. It started out 150-some interviews and wow. 16 of us at the end of, uh, of that eight weeks. So yeah. Now, do you think if, yeah, it is, um, I mean, do you think if the Vietnam War did not happen, do you think you still would have joined the military? Yes. Uh, My dad and my family, they were all military, and um, all through my school years, I always planned on going in the military, and I always thought that it was, when the time came, it was my turn to go. And that's mm-hmm. the way we work, you know. It's okay. And you and you and you mentioned about your dad, and it was your dad and your uncle. They were in the World War II together, correct? Actually, on my mother's side, her three brothers. Oh wow! Uh, and on my dad's side, it was my dad and his two brothers. His youngest brother came in towards the end, but ended up in the Korean War too. Oh wow! Yeah. So it's uh, okay. But but my Dad's oldest brother was already in at the Army Air Corps, and he was with these seventeens, and then yeah. he uh, in uh, Italy. Then okay. after he got shot down and he healed, they put him with the 509th, the atom bomb group. Yeah. So he was that your uncle? You said. Yeah, my uncle, uh, my uncle Howard. Okay. And Dad was on destroyer escorts. He did the Atlantic Theater. And then when the Germans uh, surrendered, he ended up in the Pacific Theater. Okay, interesting. And and I guess your uncle you mentioned with the atom bomb group. Uh, what what 
famous connection does he have with the Enola Gay, which was the plane that actually dropped the bomb? He was the one that uh, he ran the cruise to set the bomb up in there. They went from uh, Utah to Alamogordo, and they would practice at night. And uh, they would cover the plane up, and, and they actually had an elevator in the, in the runway to bring the bomb up. And then he went to Tinian Island. And uh, when they unloaded the rest of the, the bomb from the Tinian, uh, on the Tinian Island, it was his group that put it together, and then they put it up in the Enola Gay. And then there were two escort planes that went with them, with the Enola Gay, and he was in one of those escort planes. Then they yeah. peeled off and came back, and the Enola Gay went in the rest of the way. Huh. Yeah, so so uh, like I was telling Troy earlier, like, you know, basically all you got to do is open up a history book, and it'll be probably like a family reunion for you. <laughs> I, was, uh, I didn't know about my uncle being with the atom bomb till near the end of my career. And, Why uh, is that? Well, you know, we they didn't talk much about uh, their time in the service. Uh, my dad would tell me about the ship and stuff, but I, I, I never really sat down with my uncle. And um, then I was doing inspections as uh, an E-9. I would go around doing inspections at different units. And when I would come down to the Allentown unit, I'd go to Quakertown, take them out. One day he uh, he asked me, he says, hey, would you tell me about your Purple Hearts? I said, you tell me about yours. And I said, okay, let's sit down and lie to each other. So we did. And he pulled the books out. And uh, he pulled the books out, and there's his picture, and there's his name, and everything, oh, you know, wow. in several different books. And I was just blown away with that. I, I never yeah. knew. And and you said his uh, his um, leader, or the, the general that was in charge of his group, um, who was that? Um, general, oh. I'm going to say. What's that? Well, uh, they tried to. This general came in and said that uh, they were going to have somebody else do the the bombing. And that's when uh, Colonel Tibbetts, he said, wait a minute, we've been practicing because, you know, you just can't make a B-29 do certain things. And he took, uh, I, I want to say it was General Mays. Okay. But they went up there, and uh, and when they did, when the general came back, when after he seen the maneuvers that they had to do, they had to practice. And he said, "The Tibbet screw's going to do this," mm. so he backed off of putting somebody else in there. And that's how Colonel now, my uncle did know Colonel Tibbet. What's that? Uh -huh. I was just going to say, and that's how Colonel Tibbet made it big for himself, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. It's and my uncle knew Colonel Tibbets. Uh, he came out to Reading one time for the. Um, for the air show. Okay. And that night he went up to Quakertown and there's pictures of my uncle and my cousins all sitting around the din dinner table with Colonel Tibbetts. <laughs> wow. I thought that was pretty neat. And, yeah, and he, was the one that, he was the one that, that flew the, the plane. Yes. It, it was, yeah. he dropped the bomb. Wow. And there's a crew on that plane with him though, correct or no? What's that? Was there a crew on that plane with him, or was he sold? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got navigator okay. bombardiers. You, you you had your electronics guys. You know, there, there was a whole crew in there. Yeah, hmm. that's what I figured. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, well, you know, so so basically you spent you spent your time in, in Vietnam, and uh, is, is, are there any, like, regrets as far as how you how you came about to – you know, going to war, and was there anything that you kind of regret along the way that you wish you would have done now that you're thinking back, or? Actually, the only thing is I would have ducked. <laughs> you know, <it's>, uh... <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Why don't, um, why don't you explain? How did you get your Purple Hearts? Uh, first time was New Year's Day of 71, and we were in the Suchin area, and we were, and I was point man on the patrol. And uh, I spotted movement, and they must have spotted us, too, because when I turned to wave everybody down, that was the last thing I remember. 
Oh. And they threw a grenade, and and I took the blunt of the of that grenade. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I hate it wearing the flat jackets because they were so heavy and they were hot. But that day, I am so glad I wore it because that that I really believe that's what saved me. Yeah. But I remember the guys coming up to me. And one of the guys asked me if I was going to be okay, and another guy's telling me I'm going to be okay. And then later on, I thought, why you just talk to him and leave me out of it, you know? <laughs> and then I look up in the tree, and I'm thinking, who the hell threw that rifle up there, only to find out it was my my rifle up in the tree. Oh, wow. But I ended up with uh, 38 pieces of metal in my hips, my uh, my back. And in 1998... Uh, I had a surgery done on my right ear because I was losing hearing, and they found shrap metal on my left ear that I didn't oh never knew it was there. And I asked wow. him, I said, are you going to take it out? He said, no, that's probably why you got good hearing now. We're just going to leave it in there. It's scarred over. Oh, jeez. And then the second time was the 26th of March. That was and, my birthday, uh, Andy. Is that right? It is. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. And, uh, but uh, we were going out to set up an ambush, and the intel was wrong. We were told that the area was clear, and we walked right into them. Mm. And, uh, uh. It, and it turned into hand-to-hand. And uh, when it was all said and done, one of the guys said, hey, you're bleeding. I said, no, it's not my blood. It's his. And, and they said, no, you're bleeding. And I didn't realize that I had been I, – I just got sliced with a bayonet and a stomach. Oh wow! And, uh, it really wasn't that big a deal. the The grenade was did more damage than the knife, but it was more personal. If if yeah. you understand. Yeah, that yeah, that's some problems for me years later. In what way? Well, post traumatic stress. You know, it's okay. uh, yeah, it's the nightmares and stuff like that. Sometimes, uh, mm-hmm. I really felt bad for my wife because. You know, she put up with me now. It's going on 46 years, you know. It's, she knew that her saint are totally out of her brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. She's obviously a tough How long did it take you um, after the grenade injury until you were back out in the field again? Actually, um, it was about a week. And wow. I was supposed to be... I was supposed to be on no duty uh, because I was just getting antsy laying there in the in the ward, and I was in Cameron Bay, and uh, I just got tired of being there. So then I was just going to leave, and I called back to the compound and said, "Send me a jeep, come and get me, get me out of here." And this Air Force captain, she came up, she was the nurse. And she asked me where I thought I was going. And I said, I can't get any rest here. I said, I'm going back to the compound. And she got the doctor. And I told the doctor, look, you know, I, I feel more comfortable back there. It opens a bed here. And he said, I'm going to put you on no duty. And and he let me go. So when I got back there, the chief made me stay off, you know, for for about a week. And then I just said, you know what, I'm going out on the next one. And, and we did. We went out on the next one. Tough cookie. Oh, wow. Well, it was, yeah. it was a local, what they call a bird dog patrol. He just kind of swooped the area. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I really didn't anticipate anything at that point. So, Well, other than hand-to-hand, apparently. That you was, I, I never, and, and you know, the thing is, thank goodness, they were almost – I was the same size as them. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. That helped, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, having six brothers growing up helped too. <laughs> and, and, all right, and we are back. And uh, I'll tell you what, that was a uh, pretty good. And by the way, that was only part one of uh, a two-part um, interview with Andy. And we'll get right to uh, the uh, second part of the interview very shortly. But uh, but yeah, we just got done listening about his two purple hearts and uh man, uh I first of all, I could not imagine even being considered to be a uh um a, a tunnel rat. <laughs> I know. You know I know. And, but, and I I thought it was funny 
I thought it was funny how when he first started telling us the story, um, when he when they said, you know, you can be a tunnel rat, and he was already excited because he thought he already had a big job <laughs> in the military. And, yeah, exactly. And so it was, and, until his buddy told him differently. <laughs> yeah, in a weird way, his buddy probably saved his life. Yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All but, right, uh, so yeah. yeah. And, then, and we heard and we heard about his multiple purple hearts, and, uh, you know, I just, I couldn't imagine being in that situation. No. I mean, I, I don't even know what to say, because I, I just, I really literally could not imagine being in that situation. My gosh, no. Uh, well, first of all, I think the first situation, he didn't even have an idea what happened until he woke up. True. Uh, right. So that probably, in a weird way, was good. Um, second part, obviously, that could leave a, a little bit of a, a bigger imprint, you know, on one's life, mm-hmm. what he had to endure. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that next time we interview him, uh, if we do. Uh, yeah, sure. I, I'd like to I'd like to learn a little bit more about that, and I'm sure other folks would like to learn more about that as well. Uh, but yeah, yeah so well, um, I, you know, any any type, any time you're uh, in a close, you know, hand to hand battle like that, you know, it, it's obviously going to leave an impression on you. And, oh my gosh! Um, yeah. You know, he I don't, you know, he talks a little bit about you know how that really affected him mentally down the road, and mm-hmm. um, you know. Uh, obviously, um, on our second episode, we did talk a little bit about mental health and how he yeah. wanted to give everybody that number just in case, you know, this is a good oh, spot sure. to that number up, you know, in case yeah. you know what? mental health issues. Exactly. And I'm also going to throw out another number as well. So first number is 800-273-TALK, uh, and that's 1-800-273-8255, and that'll get you in contact with the crisis hotline, and uh, in turn, they will not only talk to you, but they'll also get you in touch with your uh, local crisis uh, center, uh, depending on where you live in the United States. And uh, and then there's also another one that we can use. If you don't feel as comfortable with talking, uh, you know, with somebody, you can text somebody as well. You can also text a crisis counselor if you text the numbers 741-741. And uh, and you can just type in anything. You can just you know just let them know uh, what's going on, and and somebody will be on the other line. Another trained crisis counselor will um, be there to uh, to chat with you. That's so, awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a number that's perfect in fact, for this day and age. Oh my gosh, yeah. And uh, yeah, because I'll do some trainings uh, when it comes to like crisis uh, with uh, suicide prevention. And I'll do a lot of trainings in colleges and such, and I always, I always uh, heavily advertise that number to those folks because it's important to, uh, for this generation especially, to have that option. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we can, um, you know, have this platform to be able to throw that number out for people, mm-hmm. you know, and even if it only helps one person, that's so what? So, it helps yep. one person, and that's huge, you know. Yep, so, it's one more than know, we would. Please, get, please, know. please. Just don't don't hold that in. You know that that stuff's going to come back to haunt you. Please, if you're having some issues with something, please get a hold of somebody. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. So all so, right. So um, yeah, that was yeah, part one with Andy, and um, you know, really honored that I I got a chance to talk with this guy. Um, yeah. You know, I just some of the stories were not only funny, um, but just amazing, and you know, I just. I like I, like I said earlier, I just can't imagine being in that situation. I yeah. can't imagine, you know, having even though he didn't end up taking the tunnel rat role in the army, he did. He you know he does tell us he ended up doing some tunnels, and I just I I just couldn't imagine you're crawling through these little small tunnels and you're not knowing yeah. that you're going to come across whether there's a you know a black mamba or whatever you know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, or like he said, like you know there there are places that were like you're opening up to like an underground city, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Just to not have an idea where, and and you're only by yourself, basically, you know. Yeah. So you're really not, you're really not in a good um, situation, uh, no matter what you encounter. And that's, uh, yeah, that's definitely something uh, uh, I could not have ever imagined. Even 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 after hearing his story about it, I could not imagine. And I I was amazed. Um, when he told us the story about the uh, the bomb and the shrapnel and stuff that hit him, and yeah. um, I, I could not believe 
I'm trying to remember back on the interview, and I'm sorry if I don't remember this correctly, but wasn't mm-hmm. it like maybe a week later and he was like back on duty, whether, you know, that might not have been doing what he was doing, but he was doing something? <laughs> yeah, I almost think it was like a two or three weeks later. I forget what the num- actual okay. number is, but it was it was very, very short <laughs> afterwards, yeah. a lot shorter. In fact, uh, you know, I, I like to compare it to today's day and age. If that happened to somebody today, they would probably be um, honorably discharged from the military. Yeah, you're probably right. You know, you're probably right. And and they'd yep. be done, and uh, and that would be their career. But uh, but yeah, I think back then it was almost like uh, I kind of compared to playing sports back in the day when you and I went to high school. If we got yep. a concussion back then, we would just kind of shake it off and yeah. and get back in and play. In fact, there were times where you know I had a concussion during a game, and I just stayed in the game because I'm like, ah, I'll be fine, blah, blah, blah. And then Yeah, what did, the, what did the, I can't remember what, I can't remember what they used to call it before they really knew what concussions were. What did they, <laughs> I can't remember what they would call it. They would, you know, basically they would just, uh, he got his, he got his bell rung. That's what it was. He got his yeah, bell basically. Rung, you know? Yeah, basically it was a bell ringer, you know. Yeah. He got his bell rung. <laughs> It'll come back to him. He'll be all right. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, now, now we, now what we know about the brain and CTE and everything and, mm-hmm. and, you know, who, who knows? But you know, it's it's very similar situation. Like it like really you were is. saying, you know. Yep. There was things, yep. you know, these bombs are going off, and you know, eh, we'll patch him up, send him back out, you know. Yep. Yeah, no big deal. But, <laughs> yeah. So. And of course, back right. then, you know, with the military numbers weren't, you know, what they are now, so they were looking yeah. for all the help they could get. So that might have had something to play into it. As oh, well. that's true too. That's true too. They they were looking at all, of, you know, obviously just looking at numbers and trying to get the uh, biggest amount of people, Any, you know, to show. <laughs> so. so that All right. Well, you know what? Yeah, I was just going to say. What's that? I was just going to say the same thing. We had, that should lead us into part two. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it should lead us know, into part two. And then uh, what we'll do is uh, uh, we'll close out part one with uh, your normal, uh, you know, just kind of plug in what we're all about and uh, the different forms that you can hear us on. And then uh, sure. right after that, we'll go right into part two. How's that sound? That sounds good. All right. Sounds good. So uh, here's part two of our interview with uh, Master Gunnery Sergeant Andy Worley. Thank you for listening to another episode. Please like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at StayTunedTNH. Email us, StayTunedTNH at gmail.com. And uh, whichever podcast avenue you're listening to us on, Google, Apple, Spotify, uh, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And until next week, stay tuned.